Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Liverpool get the job done at the San Siro thanks to a commanding performance against Inter. Salzburg nearly had it in Austria, but Bayern griped a precious late equalizer as we wrap up the first week of round of 16 action first leg in the Champions League. Jimmy Conrad is here. James Benji is here. You are here. Kego Lasso Champions League recap begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kigo Lasso. If you're watching live on YouTube, like that video. Come on, you know you want to. It only takes a second and costs you nothing. More likes mean we get more Kigo Lasso for you. And make sure that you comment, ask questions. James Benji is here. Jimmy Conrad is here. They want to answer anything that you have going about the Champions League and beyond. And by the way, some of you are listening in podcast form. That's nice. Please make sure that you subscribe to Kego Lasso Podcast wherever you get your pods and leave a nice five-star rating and review wherever it suits. And you can do that now while you listen. Uh, so thank you so much for being here. Jimmy Conrad, how are you good, sir? I'm great. I love the Champions League. It's my favorite competition in the world. So I love dissecting, obviously, the biggest of games with some of the biggest of teams. And I don't think that maybe it hit the same type of excitement as yesterday. But there's obviously a lot of intrigue and, and Bayern Munich getting a draw against RB Salzburg is definitely worth something to talking about and Inter not getting any shots against Liverpool at home at the San Siro and losing 2-0, you know, uh, no set pieces uh, do make the difference. Anyway, I'm excited to be here and of course, seeing your beautiful faces as always. Excited to have you, Jimmy Conrad. James Bench is happy because he's correct. A Liverpool one, he predicted a Liverpool win. How are you, James Bench? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, two for two for two this week, so uh, I can't wait to come crashing back down to earth. Yeah, I mean, kind of with Jimmy. Uh, I'm looking forward to the quarterfinals. Yeah. <laughs> get these get these schlubs out of the way. Let's get rid of them. Get these scrubs out the way. Let's get it to the quarterfinals. Indeed, that's true. That's sometimes how I feel about the round of sixteen. It's kind of like this. All right, you made it so far. We'll give you an extra ticket. But after this, yeah, Man United, you're no longer welcome. <laughs> United, rightly so. Welcome everybody. As I mentioned at the top of the show, please, we want your comments. We want your questions. Uh, what did you make of either game? Any questions for Jimmy? Any questions for James? Please make sure that you throw them in. And we begin, of course. As Liverpool and Klopp's embarrassment of riches uh, defeated Inter Milan 2 nothing. Uh, a lot of attacking options, of course, but Bobby Firmino did his thing. So did Mohamed Salah did their thing. It was kind of a, you know, you saw Inter waking up a little bit in the second half. But in the end, the narrative, the storyline there, James Bench, was Liverpool. Really just too much, too much. It doesn't matter if it's at Anfield, at the San Siro, it's too much for Simone Inzaghi to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's just world-class talent at both ends of the pitch. I think, you know, we will naturally talk about Roberto Firmino, a great impact by by him. He's not one of the world-class players anymore. Uh, and Salah, who kind of without playing that well, always looked dangerous. But for me, 
the standout performer tonight, maybe the best individual performance I've seen so far in the Champions League, one of the best individual performances I've seen so far in 2022. Virgil van Dijk, I think just phenomenal. And actually, I think Inter were pretty good. They might not have had a single shot on goal, but I don't think that was their fault. I just think Van Dijk was at a level that no other no other centre-back in the world can reach because he was squashing attacks left, right and centre without even breaking a sweat. And mm. I know that, let's be honest, there are people in this podcast studio that wouldn't have to break a sweat to keep up with Ed and Dzeko. But, like, by God, <laughs> does he make it look very, very easy. Um, and I just... I- I think that carried forward, carried up the team because I think late on, I don't think Liverpool thought they were going to concede. I just want to jump in and say that you went with Van Dyke, and I almost expect him to have those types of performances. That's kind of associated with him to have that type of stature and presence in big games in particular. I was really impressed with Konate because Konate, his, his center back partner, he blocked a whole bunch of shots. He got into the good passing lanes on a cross where Jekko was kind of drifting to the back post. He made some good tackles in the middle of midfield. And maybe because my expectations are lower for the 22-year-old than, than it is for Van Dyke. I just was like, God damn, he's up for it. Now, Liverpool, prior to this game, had played 37 games in all competitions. And Kanate had only started 12 of them. And I thought he was a bit of a surprise selection for this. So for him to go in there in a tough environment against a team that is pretty good and have the performance that he did alongside Virgil Van Dyke really speaks well to his future. And again, I guess reconfirms that Liverpool know what they're doing when they're scouting in the transfer market because they get players that fit their model. And and I thought Luis Diaz was another one that came off the bench and provided a spark. Maybe he didn't end up on any of the score sheets or any meaningful stats, but it, that the game turned a little bit when he came on the field. And, and yeah, I just can't say enough about Liverpool. This is the eighth game out of their last nine where they've scored two or more goals. It's It's impressive. Yeah, very impressive. I'll also add Jordan Henderson. I thought when he came on, uh, tidied things up in the midfield. I agree. I don't know. It's very weird, guys. Like when you watch, it's not weird. Obviously, it's obvious. But, you know, when you have Luis Diaz and Salah and, you know, Firmino still around and stuff, they occupy space so well. Kind of a Man City trick. But, you know, they're just so good. I mean, I think our friend Musa Okwanga said it on Twitter. Like at some point, Salah was playing right back. Like, you know, just like, you know, just in defensive transition, James mentioned, it's kind of incredible just how, this, you know, the same credit that we give to Pep Guardiola and Man City and how cohesive they look and they're like an orchestra. Liverpool, you know, yes, for all the rock and roll and heavy metal, they're actually super synchronized as well. It's really great to see every now and again. Yeah, I mean, especially in Europe, it's kind of been a long time since they've been what we think of Jurgen Klopp football as being. And they are very composed and methodical, like you say, you know, I mean, I think if you kind of look at the the speed at which they play and which which they play tonight and which they play a lot of European games, they're actually kind of one of the slower teams in Europe because no one, <laughs> largely because no one gives them the chance to uh, yeah. burst into, uh, into any space. But yeah, you know, this is a, this is a machine team that, that knows, you know, you're saying that Salah is drifting back into right back because he knows that quite often Trent Alexander-Arnold isn't going to get there quickly enough. And, you know, he knows when the danger is enough and when Alexander-Arnold, who I thought defended Perisic okay, mm-hmm. I thought it was all right. Yeah. He knows mm-hmm. when he'll need help. I mean, equally, there were quite a few times where I was like, oh, Salah's just not coming back at all. And I, if you looked at the sort of pass matrix of the matrix of like the first half, you have like, um, you end up with uh, Jota almost playing as like a, a fourth midfielder and Mane as well. And then, Mohamed Salah's just in the penalty area 
he's so smart at knowing when he needs to be that player, the guy that's just not coming back for anything, saying to Bastoni, you are not pushing on like you like doing. And when he is going to go, actually, no, I need to drop back now. Trent's bombed on too far or, you know, Perisic is, they just know each other so well. And it's going to be so valuable throughout this competition. Yeah, we saw a comment there from Coutinho Gambino who said, I don't see this inter-team scoring three at Anfield. Good and name, think, though, right? I it like is that. a fantastic name. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think that they had to score first. They had to be somewhat of a draw maybe in this one at the very least for them to have a chance in the second leg. And I say that because of the defending that we saw. Not only was Kanate and Virgil van Dijk winning those, those duels, you know, blocking passing lanes and all that, I actually thought they held a very high line but did it to great effect and that timing between center backs is very important and also not allowing your your outside backs and Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson to to sometimes drift behind you which then holds the player that you're trying to hold offside and even though it was kind of close at times Jekko did get in one behind and he was off by a step or two but that's going to be really important because if Liverpool which I think their Achilles heel is their defending and that you can get at them, that they have some vulnerabilities there. But if they have that locked down, and then you add into the fact that everybody's healthy and they have this depth, and they can bring a Bobby Firmino to come on and be a super sub, or maybe Harvey Elliott will be a super sub in the next one, and Jordan Henderson comes off the bench to tidy things up to your point, LME, that makes Liverpool, for me, have to be one of the favorites in this competition. I just think if they have all those boxes ticked in being able to score when they want, even run a play, set pieces... Or, or then, and then can defend and, and really do it well at a, with a high line, which make, puts even more pressure on the opposing teams is to get everything perfect. It's going to be hard to beat them. Now, maybe in a one-legged affair, you could catch them, but over two legs, it's going to be hard to beat this Liverpool team if they can maintain this form. Yeah, that's a good point that you raise, and I want to bring it up in a second about sort of uh, the halfway through power rankings. I know the other teams still have to play next week as well, but... You know, I am seeing this uh, all English powerhouse uh, at this point with Man City, Liverpool, perhaps PSG third. I, I will get to that in a second, but I wanted to come back to enter Jimmy and then Bench, please jump in. But, you know, you're high on Nico Varela, so so as a lot of us. You think that, you know, Vidal did his thing, but, you know, when you have such a Goliath like Liverpool, especially in the pressing machine, especially in the first half, and actually I thought, I hate saying this as a Peruvian, but Vidal did okay. In the first he did half. fine. He was fine. He was fine. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I thought he'd get a yellow. I'm he sad he didn't get a Peruvian contract to say anything. He was nice really struggling to not go full <laughs> Vidal, wasn't he? He was like, he was. control yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's my point, Jimmy. So Nico Varela, do you think he would have uh, you know, made any kind of a difference? I, well, he does. he does. He does a very good job of running. Uh, out, out of midfield and and creating those numerical advantages, which you can overload a side or or help combine. We've seen him do it before. And then he's very good at hitting a bit of a deep cross, kind of Trent Alexander-Arnold-ish if he finds himself in those spots. So he does provide something a little bit different than Vidal. Vidal will give you that toughness and be hard to break down. And But I think it speaks to the lack of depth that maybe the Inter have, which will make it hard for them to go far in this competition. And the Liverpool money, you know, the Premier League money, the yeah, strength. Of yeah. I mean, they brought on Alexis Sanchez, who's been good this season by his standards for sure. And Darmian, uh, Ranocchia, Gagliardini, DeMarco, like nobody really lights you up outside of Alexis Sanchez. If they had a Barella, then maybe you can bring on a Vidal. So I thought Inter lacked a little bit in terms of, especially when they went down, who can they bring on to really change the game and, and really take it over and get control back? And I don't think they had that. Also, I want to add that Handanovic hasn't looking hasn't looked good over the last, I'd say, month or so, where I thought maybe he could have made a couple big saves in Milan Derby, where I thought he should have saved Giroud's second goal. Maybe he mm-hmm. could have been moving a little bit better across his line on the first one. Bobby Firmino, they might need to look at putting somebody on the back post. That would have been cleared off the line <laughs> if they had had a person on the back post. So it's not not all on Handanovic, but if you want to 
you want to win any competition, I've said this before, I'll say it again. You have to have a goalkeeper making timely saves and Handanovic didn't make those saves today. And I definitely thought he was like leaning too far the, the one direction for that Firmino header. As good mm-hmm, as, I mean, mm-hmm. like, the header was world-class, amazing header. But yeah. I kind of thought uh, maybe Handanovic had gambled that it was coming at his near post. I, you know, I kind of came out of this game thinking more positively of Inter than I had beforehand, mm-hmm. even though they've, they've just lost and not had a, a shot on target. Because, you know, the, I, I'm really conscious when I say this. I say this as someone that every week is, you know, at Premier League games. And obviously I don't see as much of Serie A or Liga or Bundesliga or La Liga. But like these Premier League teams are just on another level. It goes back to what Jimmy was saying about the players they could bring off the the substitutes bench, but they have the best coaches in the world. They have mm-hmm. the best players in the world at, at both ends of the pitch. And I think Inter did a lot right that I, I, I really liked. I thought they were incredibly shrewd in the first half with the way that they pressed Liverpool in a, in a way where the Liverpool defence would look up and they'd have time to look up, but there'd just be no passes on. They were really good at the sort of in-between press of, you know, we'll let you keep the ball, but we won't give you many options. And eventually you'll feel like you're just going to have to punt it somewhere and we'll get it back that way. Um, I thought maybe if it had been Lautaro chasing some of those passes in behind rather than Dzeko, this might have gone a bit differently. I think I kind of come away Mm -hmm. from this thinking huge credit to Simone and Zaghi, but it's just a kind of harsh lesson that that Serie A, that La Liga, pretty much every league just not at this Premier League standard now. And maybe it's only a handful of teams, Bayern and, and PSG, that come close to kind of whoever you want to pick from the Premier League, except Man United, who are rubbish. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm with you 100%. I don't even think there should be any hesitation. I mean, part of it is also the economics, right? Premier League money is Premier League money. They're going to attract a lot of, you know, good players, but it's just the quality already. I mean, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if I saw an all-English final at this point in the Champions League, obviously. So let's look at those power rankings for a second. I know there's Norris will be kind enough to throw a graphic up here, but everybody watching, please, uh, I give it to you. What, give me just your top three, your top four teams. I don't know. But this is the perfection side of things, right? The 100%s. Uh, obviously, Ajax are still a force to be reckoned with. I'm very intrigued to see how they look after a big winter break and playing, you know, you know, uh, competition in the continent. You know, so that's one thing. And then obviously Liverpool, Bayern Munich, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, you got to throw Man City. My top three right now, Man City, Liverpool, PSG. What do you say, Jim? You know, I've got some recency bias here, obviously, but uh, I thought Man City looked very good against Sporting. And the fact that Pep Guardiola said after the fact that his team could play even better makes me laugh and just like, all right, that's Pep being Pep. But even Bernardo Silva said something similar that we just happened to score five goals on six shots and and that that scoreline didn't really reflect how we actually played and how sporting played. And, and maybe we didn't deserve all those goals. That's not going to make sporting feel any better because they still got their asses kicked 5-0. But, but there was something about that city performance. And they're another team that's kind of rounding into peak health where they have every option to choose from. And, and that's a good position to be in. So City's got to be in the conversation. I really liked the version of PSG I saw yesterday. Can they maintain that under Mauricio Pochettino? I don't think we've seen that consistency. Does that team beat Liverpool, Jimmy? No, no, that back line for me is still a bit of a question mark, I would say. And I don't think that Real Madrid did enough yesterday to to challenge that back line. But I did like that they were playing on the front foot in almost every position and that they were solid mm. on both sides of the ball. But again, Real Madrid didn't really attack with any convincing numbers. And I know that Carlo Ancelotti just got kind of uh, publicly chastised by some of the Real Madrid board 
for his tactics and being a well, bit Florentino Perez apparently was furious. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I get it. I would be too. Like, hey, we got everybody here. Maybe Benzema's not 100%, but we should still look better than that. And and so I get where I'm actually might be siding with Florentino Perez for the first time in my life. <laughs> but makes me wonder about the away goals because I feel like in the first leg, at least, there's no real impetus for the away team to actually go out and risk anything because mm -hmm. there's nothing else. There's nothing at stake. And, and I don't think they maybe thought that through that we could lose some value in the first leg. Now you still want to play, you still want to go get that goal, but, but that away goal just, just gave it a little something else, a little bit of different juice. And, and I'm kind of sad that it's gone because right now this iteration, I'm not feeling too great about it. I mean, I, I agree with that, Jimmy, but I, I suppose we do then very quickly forget that back in the away goals era, it was just that home teams never attacked. You know, I, I remember no, that's so true. That's fair. That's European right. games where you'd have well, like the home. Sorry to interrupt, Bencha. You'll keep going, but Heath Beer said a great center. You know, one nil now is a new nil nil. Yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly. Like you know, so many games, European games. I remember the way it's like the the home fans are just pleading with their team to go and try and score a goal, but they're like, nah, don't want to risk that. Um, kind of back onto the sort of power rankings talk. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I just I still think that you know, who's your one? Real Madrid who's your home, one? My one is City. Two? I don't Liverpool. Yeah, and then I still have Bayern third because I, I think you still have to consider that PSG are not definitely through, and they will have a tougher task, even though they have a lead. And Bayern, who will come on to talk about, do not. Yeah. Um, I think Bayern just need a bit, a few more bodies in midfield. Uh, Neuer back would help them a lot as well. But like, yeah, for me, the the top three uh, or the top two. Are quite a bit clear now, actually. Yeah. You know, and I, I do these power rankings every round, and I'm I've had Bayern near the top. I I might have to push them down into a tier and leave. There's uh, probably City a one-two tier, just like the Premier League race, I guess. Yeah. It's just City, Liverpool, mm -hmm. and then kind of a little bit of a gap. All right, well, I'm throwing that to everybody watching. Uh, throw that, you know, throwing this uh, top three power rankings question. Who's your Top three in the Champions League right now. I know we still got games next week as well, but I don't think any of them really uh, will convince us otherwise as well. So, Jimmy, you gave it to us, right? You said City, your two was. You were, you were hazy on the two. Well, I was very, I just got really hazy. I was hoping you wouldn't throw it back to me for this. <laughs> you yeah, were I very mean, Snoop Dogg in the Super Bowl. I was. The two, I, yeah. was. I mean, I was thinking about PSG versus Liverpool and, and uh, Liverpool wins that. Liverpool Jimmy wins Conrad, that. Surely. No, they do, but I think there's something to be said for if you do have that version of PSG that shows up that we can see on paper mm. has the talent to beat anybody at any point, which hasn't really been seen too often. Yeah, but ultimately, yeah, I'd go Liverpool would beat them. Uh, City's right there. Liverpool, Liverpool and City, especially in the Champions League. Ah, that's a good one. Uh, PSG drops off a little bit. I think Bayern, even though they didn't fire on all cylinders today when Manuel Neuer comes back and they can still extend their run in this Champions League and not get knocked out by Salzburg, who were up for it today. Uh, then, you know, I think they find themselves in a good spot as well to be at least in the conversation. And uh, am I missing anybody? I guess Chelsea, you can't rule out Thomas Tuchel in a one-off competition. He's shown he knows how to get to a final for sure. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, you know, it's going to be it's going to be intriguing to see. But throw, no. throw all those top three power rankings for us, everybody. Um, all right, we're going to take uh, a break. When we come back, we're going to talk Salzburg, Bayern Munich, a little Aronson talk. So you got an assist, I believe. Uh, a little bit of a Europa League preview as well. And, and final thoughts from these two lovely gentlemen. Kigo Lasso Champions League Wednesday recap. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. We are here still. Uh, by the way, don't be shy. Get into the mix in the comments section. We want to hear from you anything as well. All right, so let's get into Salzburg, Bayern Munich. Salzburg nearly had it there, Jimmy, Conrad. They nearly had it. But now with that common equalizer, Bayern are now 22 road games in the Champions League, unbeaten. But there are some cracks uh, appearing in the Bavarian veneer. Oh, Des Norris, you're a poet with these, uh, with these texts, by the way. Jimmy, talk to me about this game. Well, I'll say first and foremost, I was pretty surprised by the lineup that Munich went with. They dropped Upamecano, went to a back three with Benjamin Pavard, who usually is more of an attack-minded outside back. You got Lucas Hernandez, who, yeah, he could play center back. He could play in the back line, but we know he likes to go forward. You got Nicholas Sula, who didn't look good against Bochum this past weekend. Either did Upamecano. They dropped Upamecano, go to a back three, and then use... Kind of like uh, Coman and, and Serge Gnabry is like wingbacks. And then mm. Tolisso and Kimmich as the holding midfielders. And then you just hope that Lewandowski and, and Sané and, and Muller can create chances, which they do quite well. I mean, they had more than enough chances to score some goals. I do, though, want to say that Lewandowski didn't get a shot on goal. He's played in 63 Champions League games and only twice has he not got a shot on goal in 63 wow. games. And one of those. So what was uh, it? Just defensive resiliency uh, from Stuttgart? Uh, well, yeah, it's a good question. What I'll say is I thought it was really important because it's a really young team, RB Salzburg. Them scoring first gives a young team like that that doesn't have the same type of experience as Bayern a lot of momentum and belief that, you know what, maybe tonight's our night. Maybe tonight that little extra energy I'm going to get from the crowd, the little extra energy I'm going to get from that goal is going to change our fortunes. And, and they almost did it. And I, I think all the XG and everything goes against Bayern in this particular game. They dominated, I think, every meaningful stat. But, but 
you still have to go out there and make plays. And it just seemed like it wasn't going to be Byron's night. And as the game went on and on and on, and even though Kingsley Coman did get one there at the end, it felt like Salzburg was doing enough in those intangibles to to maybe merit getting all all three points, even though there's not points in this one, but they're getting the win in the first leg. So a really impressive performance. I thought Kareem Adeyemi in particular didn't look out of place. I thought he was driving at, at Bayern. He was making it very difficult for them. And I can see why Borussia Dortmund and other clubs are looking to, to get him, even though it looks like he's going to Dortmund in the summer. So that'll be a nice matchup. He's born in, and raised in, in Munich. So it's kind of a cool story there. And he was actually with the Munich Youth Academy from 2015 to 2017. So for him to go to Dortmund uh, will be interesting for next season. But I actually thought he played really well. And and uh, it was a good performance from Salzburg. I don't know if it's going to be enough. The last time these two played against each other in the Champions League in the group stages a couple seasons ago, uh, Bayern were up 3-0. And then Salzburg got a late equalizer or not a late uh goal just to kind of make it 3-1 and I could see something similar happening in Lake 2. Jimmy Conrad has, has buried the lead here, is he not? This is a, <laughs> a defining moment in the, the history of, of US soccer, I believe. The fourth player to get an assist in the Champions League knockout. I did. Round. I'm sorry about that. Sorry, Brendan, <laughs> Brendan Aronson. Brendan um, Aronson, who belongs, if, if they were ever to make an updated version of Days and Confused, I'm, I'm, I'm going with Brendan Aronson in that one. Talk to me about Brendan Aronson, James Bench. What's going well, on? His assist was a little bit dazed and confused as well, but just... <laughs> Let's call a spade a spade here. I'm delighted for him. He was, he was really good. He's good though, right? Um, Leeds United won him. Like, he's good. Yeah, but that was not an assist. That was a really heavy touch. That was just, he was trying to control the ball. Overall, right. Bench. Way, Overall, way to bury the lead, Bench. Like backhanded <laughs> compliments from Bench here. Um, but having said that, you know, it, it doesn't really matter how. It, it, it teed his teammate up for a goal. And, um, you know, from the clips I've seen from this game and what I saw, Aronson had a, had a really good game, really effective on the on the counter attack. And there were moments when like Salzburg looked like they might get another, and Aronson was really involved in that. Mm. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about Adi Amy, but uh, Jimmy's beaten me to that. But yeah, he was he was excellent. And uh, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe Joel Jimenez is is right. Maybe it was just a a clever touch. I think in general, <laughs> should, clever touch. By the way, you should give. I, I am generally of the view you should give footballers benefit of the doubt especially when you're me and you've never played professionally <laughs> i'd love to give brendan the benefit of the doubt there but i can't quite no but anyway, listen, who cares? it's, it's a good performance from him but you know looking at these stats though bench you know i think in a way salzburg could be happy that they got a draw because eventually the mountain was coming i guess i mean i know that it's tough because they got a, they conceded an equalizer so late but 22 shots for Bayern Munich, nine on target, 72% possession, almost triple the pass accuracy. I mean, Salzburg were like, well, at least we got a, a nice draw out of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I, I suppose my question with Bayern is this has happened quite a bit this season, mm. especially, you know, the, the Bochum game as well. Again, if you go and look at the XG, Bayern won that convincingly and Bayern won this game convincingly according to the XG. But you know, that number is going to get artificially inflated quite a lot if you're doing all the attacking because you're trying to overcome a one-goal deficit. And um, oh, Mike saying that that's it. Yeah, I'm Mike not, is saying that, that if Lionel Messi makes that touch, the entire wall screams genius. I'm sorry, Mike, I, I don't really agree. Stirring the pot. Just on, on Bayern, what I would say is, you know, I want, and, and I have seen them doing it, but right now they need a game where they hit these high XG numbers, hit these high shot numbers without also conceding 
you know, a lot of good chances at the other end. And, you know, looking at those pass maps and things, it was a real back three with no support. I thought that that to me reads a little bit cavalier from mm. Nagelsmann, a little mm-hmm, bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. excessively risky. I mean, Tolisso and, and Kimmich kind of one and a bit de- defensive midfielders between them and then three defenders and then just everything else ahead of them. Like you can, you could, if you try that again, in the second leg, you could get unlucky. You could concede one and the ball just doesn't bounce to Lewandowski. It's a little bit risky. You're not giving this to Salzburg in the second no, leg? No, 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 definitely right? not. Okay. Right, but okay. it, it just, I feel, it feels like this particular approach is going to invite a little bit of unnecessary like When they play tougher opposition, when they play real Goliaths, it might be a problem. Yeah. But I mean, even against Bochum, they're playing, you know, Thomas Muller is like one of their deepest midfielders. Like at some stage, you kind of just need to set yourself a solid base and control the game from there and not sort of play Kimmich, uh, or play Coman, Gnabry, Sane and Muller all out on the wings and not have anyone defending those flanks. It's yeah. risky. It is risky. Yeah, what I would jump in and say is I just didn't feel like, even though they might have worked on it in training leading up to this game and obviously they needed to have a response after giving up four to Bochum, it just felt, to your point, what Cavalier, I think is the word you use, Benj, where it just almost lacked respect for Salzburg in some ways. And and even though, you know, they dominated, I think they had like 400 more completed passes than, than uh, <laughs> Salzburg did. To your point, I think there are some gaps that can be exploited and a, and a better, more experienced team might be able to do that in a more meaningful way or at least more consistently. Salzburg did have their opportunities. They could have got another another goal in there. I think there was room for that. I just don't know if Nicholas Sula, if you're going to go to this back three, I don't know if he's your guy. He seems to drop off when he should be stepping up or vice versa. And and now that he's already admitted he's going to Borussia Dortmund, that's always weird. I don't know why the German culture feels so it's compelled. It's so to call everybody. weird, it's isn't so it? Weird. Can we just talk hey, about that for months. a second? It's so random. <laughs> it's six months where I'm going to go do this. But my heart's here, I promise. My heart's here, I promise. It's, <laughs> it's just super so weird. weird. So anyway, that that uh, is interesting. And then no Manuel Neuer. I mean, when he's – if you know, you've got three weeks now until the second leg. You know, if they can get Neuer back and they get some guys healthy and they can get – just, I guess it comes down to balance. And I just feel like they might have worked on it for a few days – but they just seem like, where's everybody supposed to move? What do you want? You know, genius, young manager, what do you want us to do? You know, even yeah. though they know what they're doing, it's still, can you, is everybody working together at the same time? And I just feel like they're a little bit more fluid and more of a traditional when they have their back four and they have their two holding midfielders and, and then allow their guys to have a little bit more freedom. Thomas Miller in particular, who's very good at finding space between the lines. So they just looked a little bit off in that capacity. But of course, you know, they created more than enough chances to, to end up winning this game. It just wasn't their day. Well, they have Leverkusen and Eintracht Frankfurt before the second leg. So, you know, they still got a little bit of work uh, in the middle of there. But you would imagine Bayern at home, they should take care of business. It's just more about, to our point at the very beginning, regarding the quarterfinals and so on. Anything to say about Matthias Jasler, by the way? Uh, either of you, if you wanted to jump on that one. Uh, the Timothy McVeigh of Austrian football, Tez Norris is calling him. <laughs> I like that. I like that. What do you think, Bench? Anything? He, he looks like he's come straight off the set of succession. <laughs> <laughs> but he's too young to be a football manager. I, these these two managers had a combined age that was about a decade younger than Roy Hodgson. Yeah, That's just disrespectful. It's amazing. <laughs> no, I, what I'll say really quick is I thought he's very that, talented. A very talented manager. Yeah, he's got ideas, and I think that he's you know, tapped into how to get the most out of his players. I thought there was a nice game plan, game plan to kind of try to bottle up Lewandowski a little bit. Like, Hey, if we're going to lose, 
let's just not lose to that guy, you know, and let's make sure we get him boxed in. Cause I thought the center backs were pretty solid. They're both relatively young. Uh, Mo Kamara in the middle of the field. He's got the an, an, an enviable task of, of trying to manage Thomas Muller, who's very crafty. And uh, I thought they did a pretty good job of that, all things considered, and tried to keep try to make everything a little bit predictable. And if you're going to give up possession, at least make it where it's in front of your back line and your your holding midfielders so that you can all kind of react accordingly. But once they start to break the lines and turn you around is when Bayern can really hurt you. Yeah. Um, you mentioned succession. I feel like he could be like an Austria's version of Love Island as well. Maybe. <laughs> Just see, see how he can do. But anyway, regardless, you know, it was uh, a solid night for Brendan Aronson. There's no surprise why teams like Leeds United are interested, et cetera, et cetera. But a tall order to go in the second leg against Bayern Munich. And of course, Munich. All right, let's uh, let's have a little Europa League preview, baby, because it is it is a sexy tournament, especially in this situation. Barcelona, Napoli, the Maradona derby, I guess you can call it, James Benj. Are you excited about, first of all, the Europa League and, and teams like Barcelona uh, getting involved? I mean, you know I'm excited about the Europa League. It is <laughs> yeah, the superior competition. Yeah, you love it. I am over the moon that it is back. The, the, especially that we get this sort of weird like pre-tournament that somehow also happens to have some of the most prestigious names in European football vying for the right to lose to West Ham in the round of 16. <laughs> uh, it's it's fantastic. And what a game, you know, kind of from a prestige and excitement point of view, Barcelona and Napoli it's kind of up there with any of the, the games the Champions League has, has served up. And it especially helps that, you know, the last few weeks have been pretty kind to Barcelona. Great mm. win against Atletico Madrid. The squad looks stronger. Um, Adama Traore, Aubameyang. It sounds like Aubameyang is now sort of fit enough to play uh, serious minutes uh, to possibly start against Napoli. And that, you know, that gives Barcelona the finisher they lacked earlier in the season. This is a this is going to be a really great tie. I've got absolutely no idea where it goes because... Yeah. 12.45 you know, Eastern, by the way, everybody. Uh, yeah, early kickoff on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, that's I'll the best go. bit of this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah get it out Double of the football. way, I suppose. But uh, Barcelona have only won three out of the last eight home matches in all competitions, and that does start before Xavi took over. But something to keep in mind that the Camp Nou hasn't necessarily been a fortress and, and, a, and a tough place to play. We're seeing that with a lot of stadiums, I think around the world where that's intimidating factor and maybe doesn't exist anymore, but maybe that's due to the pandemic and not having fans there for a while as people got used to, to that Napoli though, have beat AC Milan away and just held uh, Juventus to a draw in Turin as well. So I think they're coming into good form, getting everybody healthy. Koulibaly's back in from the Africa cup of nations. Osaman is now healthy. You got Insigne and Zielinski has been looking good for them. I like this Napoli team, not only to potentially get past Barcelona over two legs, but maybe to be a dark horse to to steal that Scudetto because it looks like nobody wants to win it outright just yet. It's pretty close in Serie A. Now, I'm just kind of curious. Serginho Dest looks like he might get the start because Danny Alves didn't get registered in time uh, or is not included for this this knockout stage game. So that's a good thing. Uh, Ushman Dembele might get his first start in over a month. Obama Yang to, to uh, Benji's point might get a run out as well. So... I'm kind of curious to see what Javi gets together, what he puts together. No Ansu Fati, obviously, is a little bit of a disappointment. But, Luke de Jong, uh, Jimmy Conrad. Luke he de Jong. is, he is. You know consistent, Luke de Jong. You know what's crazy is that Barcelona lead La Liga in headed goals this season, which goes completely against their DNA. So so they want to pass everything into the goal, tiki-taka style, and that just that stat cracks me up. And that Javi's just like, well, we got Braithwaite and de Jong up top. What are we going to do? We just got to just... Just whip balls in and see what happens. And those guys have stepped up. And De Jong in particular has scored some pretty big goals for them 
over the last couple of weeks. So I don't know which version of Barcelona is going to show up. I think they're going to be competitive, but I like this Napoli team because they've already have an established identity under Spalletti and they've shown it earlier in the season when they're off to that fantastic start. And even when they had to weather some injuries and people being gone, they're starting to regain that form. So I like Napoli actually to go in there and get a result. I mean, for me, you know, this, it's only one of a sort of half a dozen really good games tomorrow as well. We should we should point out you've got Dortmund against Rangers. I think that might be a bit of a, a hammering for for Dortmund, but you never know. Rangers were were great in the group stage. It's a sort of fun mix of of proper mm-hmm, top tier mm-hmm. European teams, and, and then maybe not Sheriff Sheriff in there. They have a chance against Braga too. I think they could. You know, I've. I've said all along, I don't know what's really happened to their squad over January. I suspect it's very changed, but they are going to be a tough team to beat. I'm really looking forward to Sevilla, Dinamo, Zagreb. Dinamo know what they're doing in this competition. They kept Mislav Orsic. That was a big boost for them. Um, But also, you know, look at it. Leipzig, Real Sociedad, these are are really good ties. And um, I think the Europa League, a bit unfairly maligned um, by no team kind of desperately wants to be in it, but Pretty much, even by the time you get to this stage, every team that's in it is a really good football team. Yeah. I would say Sevilla would might want to win it because they're hosting the final. So yeah, we uh, La, Liga, La Liga teams love Europa League. So yeah, yeah, I wouldn't count out any 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 La Liga teams in this company. Never, they love Europa League. Uh, somebody said, I forgot your name. I'm sorry, but Real Betis don't ever discount Real Betis, of course. But and surely they want to win it even more at Sevilla Stadium. That's, that's true. All, good point. How cool would that be? And Real Betis, by the way, third in La Liga. I mean, you know, they're doing their their thing as well. well. Pellegrini. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. But uh, just going back a little bit. To that, but uh, actually, let me do this. We did power rankings for the Champions League, but let's, you know, just gut instinct. What what are you thinking as we go deeper in this tournament, Jimmy Conrad? What what, you know, what 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 teams do you see Europa going? League. You're talking Europa League. Yeah, Europa League. Yeah, yeah. I'll go Napoli. I'll just give you my who I think is going to win. I'm going to roll it off. Napoli's going to be Barcelona. Betis will beat Zenit. I like Dortmund, especially Holland. If he's healthy and ready and fit, he's going to be motivated. He'll he'll carry them over the line and take a deep run. I'm going to go Sheriff over Braga because why not? Uh, Lazio Porto is really tough to call. I like both of those managers, but uh, I might go with Sergio Conceição here and go with Porto. Even though they lost Luis Diaz, maybe that makes me change my mind. Sevilla over Zagreb, uh, Atalanta over Olympiacos, and I will go with Leipzig over Real Sociedad. Porto Lazio, by the way, is like that Spider-Man meme. Like, it is. It is. They're both kind of like, they're kind of. But Lazio's defending is not as good as Porto's, I'd say. There you go. So maybe it's a stronger Spider Man. It's the Tom Holland Spider Man against uh, uh, Toby Maguire's. Is that mean? I don't know. That was my Spider Man. Chiro the Hero Moble Spider Man. (laughs) That's true. Benj, what do you have? Um, I mean, I'm I'm not going to go through all those ties because I've forgotten them. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, I'll say the teams and and you tell me who wins. Oh, there you go. See? All right. See them now. I'll take Napoli. Um, I'll definitely take Dortmund, Sevilla, Leipzig. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Zenit is a tough place to go this time of year. And I thought they were good. So I'm going Zenit. Braga, as much mm-hmm. as I don't want to. Atalanta and then Porto. Um, and I think if you're looking at winners, you're taking any of the three German teams. Leverkusen are a really good football team. Mm-hmm. Um, whichever team comes out of the Barcelona and Napoli tie, I think is immediately elevated to, to probable favourites along mm. with Dortmund for this competition. Right, 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 right. And then, of course, especially because they're kind of fading from the top four race, West Ham are just waiting. Yeah, they're waiting. This I, forgot, I forgot about that. Club. We're waiting for Do you teams. see West Ham winning this whole thing? The form's a bit iffy now. Um, and I'm... 
but Jared Bowen is kind of <laughs> on another level, phenomenal yeah. player who's still got room to to improve. I think they can. I, I would put them absolutely in the the tier of teams that can win it. I wouldn't make them favourites, but they're right up there. All right, Jimmy Conrad has to go. Do you see West Ham winning, Jimmy Conrad, before you go? No, but I think they're going to make a good run at it. I can see him get to the semifinals. There you go. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, we'll see you next time, buddy. All right, thank you, guys. See you later. All right, that was Jimmy Conrad wearing his Liverpool shirt. Tomorrow will be Manchester United. After that will be somebody else. Who knows? James Ben. Spreads his love widely. <laughs> I have a Google sheet, James Ben, of all the teams that he that he follows. All right, well, you know, speaking of that Europa League, we're nearly done here, by the way, and all the final fixtures are on but let's uh before we say goodbye james bench uh, any final thoughts from uh, either the champions league europa league perhaps your beloved arsenal i know that Kroenke was in uh he was uh talking a little bit recently wasn't he uh yeah he does nothing that. interesting there well if we're talking about interesting comments coming out of north london this this one may have flown under the radar because it happened, kind of came out in the last hour or so. Yeah. But I'd um, just like to read you these quotes from Antonio Conte to Sky oh, Sports please Italy. talk to me. Is he frustrated? Via, via Google Translate. What happened in January is not easy. Four players left in January, four important players for Tottenham. Two have arrived. So even numerically, instead of strengthening, you may have on paper weakened. So that's three months in that Antonio Conte is complaining about Tottenham's transfer policy. Yeah, Not, I'm, curiously, doing that, I'm doing this Scooby-Doo home kind of like situation. Off. Didn't you sign, didn't you join this club knowing, like, I don't understand. Like, did you, it, why, is this a surprise to him? I was very, yeah, what's very strange is they, he knew that there was, there was money, but not, you know, vast riches. He kind of knew that there were players that had been sidelined in Ndombele or Chelsea that he could look at and he could assess. Uh, and if he wanted to sell them, he knew they wouldn't generate huge funds, as they haven't. You know, two loans and a weird deal with Everton for Deli Alley. It, it's it's not a happy camp. And he's got to go to Man City on Saturday. Um <laughs> It doesn't I'm just, I'm, the reason why I'm so confused right now is because, you know, it's not even, it's literally like months into this gig. And I'm sure there must have been conversations in December about what was going to happen what? in January. So what? I don't understand. Like you knew that this was going, I guess, the way that it was dealt to your point about Deli Ali, the confusing transfer there, the players coming out, coming in. I mean, I, I'm, I'm confused, I guess, is, is what I'm saying. Uh, you know, you made your bed, Antonio, is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Well, I guess you didn't make it. Uh, it's half done. But at least you know that it's, 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 that's what happens right now at Tottenham Hotspur. Well, there's a lot of political power and leverage with Conte. Um, although I think a lot of fans are kind of getting a little bit already. I'm kind of hearing from fans and journalists that they're not entirely happy with what seems like quite consistent complaining about a job that kind of, he, like you said, Luis, he knew what he was getting himself yeah. in for. But equally, you know, if it doesn't work with Conte, no one's going to say that makes Conte a bad manager. The, the flack will go to Daniel Levy. The flack will go to the players. And I think he's, you know, as we've seen at Inter Milan, we've seen at Chelsea, he's determined to use what political power he has to try and influence upwards. But why he would start saying this on February the 16th? I mean, it's probably point. a few days before as well, I'm sure. A long way out from the transfer window when things are going really badly wrong on the pitch. I don't know. Um, it's not a great look for the new players that just came in as well. How are yeah. they feeling? It's very Mourinho-esque in a 
in a way. And, you know, the results as well have to pick up. I mean, they lose 3-2 to Southampton. They lose 2-0 to Tottenham. You mentioned Man City after that. I mean, it's not going to get any easier, Tony. I don't know. I, it's weird. It's a weird dating time. I bet you're loving it, though. Huh? Should we get oh, into that? Yeah, really. I'm, I'm going to um, the Etihad on, on Saturday. So it's going to be lots oh, of fun. Oh, woo, baby. That's going to be good. Well, James Bench, it's always a pleasure to have you, my friend. Make sure to follow his content, James Bench, and obviously CBS Sports as well. Bench, always a pleasure, my man. Thank you so much for being here, buddy. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everybody. We're going to say some of this Tottenham juice for the weekend preview. There's Norris, don't you yeah. worry. But there's, you know, there's always new content, so it's, 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 it's fine. It's fine. But thank you, everybody, for being part of our live Champions League recap. We're back as well with much, much more, including our weekend preview, recaps, and so much more. MLS, by the way, begins very, very soon. We've got great content coming up for that james bench uh jimmy conrad heath pierce was yesterday jonathan johnson fabrizio romano Diego lasso des norris lme saying goodbye have a great great rest of your evening see you next time Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.